0: Have you ever heard the term living in the spotlight? I'm sure you have. I mean, we know celebrities, they all live in the spotlight. But what about Christian kids? Have you ever thought about that? All Christian kids actually live in the spotlight, just in their own world. And to take a step further, pastor's kids, I feel like their spotlight is even brighter. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it means to live in the spotlight as a Christian kid raised in the church. So stay tuned for more. Thanks for joining another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden i give you is light that sounds amazing to me how about you friends doing this parenting thing alone is hard but the great news is that we are not alone we have an amazing perfect god who can guide us carry us take our burdens and give us rest when we are weary his burden is light but the joys of parenting are many and he has made you the parent of your children on purpose so let's see what god has to share with us today thanks for joining me i have a confession to make when i was younger especially in high school and i used to constantly try to refute christianity And God Himself, really. Um, I used to use this exact excuse that I read about today, which actually inspired this podcast. I read a a real quick blip article on Facebook posted by a friend of mine, and it got me thinking. When when Christian kids, kids who are raised in the church, they're not necessarily the same thing, right? But kids of Christians. How about we put it that way? Kids who are raised in the church. When they sin, when they screw up, uh, what went wrong? Uh, guess God's not so great. I guess your church isn't that awesome. Uh, apparently, God's not perfect because look at your kid's not perfect or you're screwing up. you know I used to use that excuse against people all the time as an explanation as to why I didn't believe in God or was really questioning him, wasn't that I didn't believe, it was that I really didn't know anything about him and had nobody teaching me about him. So uh, I did go to a lot of different types of Sunday schools. I went to CCD in a Catholic church for a while. I explored a lot of different avenues of Christianity, uh, and none of it tied together or made sense. There was no consistency. So I made excuses after a while as to why that was not my path. And one of the most common ones that I used was that, well, if Christianity is so perfect and so great, why do you still screw up? Why do you still sin? Why do you still make mistakes? Or why are you so mean? You know, things like that. I would use every excuse in the book. And this article I read, it's a really short article, triggered that, those memories of me refuting Christianity in that way. So of course I got to thinking about my experience now, as a Christian mom, and I remember being a new Christian and a new mom all at the same time, and trying to navigate both at the same time, and that's a really hard road. So if you, if you were on that road or are on that road, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's the balance. Like okay, I'm still trying to learn what it means to be a Christian. I'm still trying to. Pick up these habits like reading the Bible, and praying, and how to worship, and uh, attending small groups, and going to church on Sunday. Well, that part's kind of easy because it's just routine. But what do I do while I'm there? What what should I look like? What should I wear? How do I get my kids to behave perfectly and sit in the, in the in the pew uh, without causing a ruckus and running around or trying to beg for snacks or. You you name it, whatever your kid does on Sundays, it drives you nuts because you're like, you're not the picture of perfection in church. Uh, that's what I struggled with. It was really, really, really hard because I thought if my kids don't look and act a certain way, it's a reflection on me and my faith and my ability to be obedient to God by helping my kids to be obedient to me. That is a huge stress. Oh, my friend. If you carry that burden right now, I want you to lift it up to God right now and just say, God, take this burden from me. I want to remind you of a couple of things in, in the Bible. One, think about the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story. You know the story of the prodigal son. I know you do. The son who wanted his inheritance from his rich father right then and there, demanded it, but his loving dad gave it to him, said, go ahead. I love you. And then he just waited every day expectantly for his son to come back. Hoping with uh, an expectant heart, probably praying to God every day for that son. And of course, we know the story. He comes back all gross and poor and having learned a very humbling lesson that he actually had it pretty good with his dad. And his dad welcomes him with open arms again. And that's a symbol of how God treats us when we walk away, when we make a mistake. God's waiting, expectantly, hoping, praying. Of course, he knows the end. He knows our path. But let's just pretend for a second that he doesn't. Just waiting, hoping that we come back. Again, he already knows whether we will or not. But when we do, he welcomes us with open arms. He loves us. He forgives us. And we're, we're in, we're, we're in the family, you know, we're, we're with him, we're part of his kingdom. And the same thing goes for our kids when they leave, or they, they screw up, or they make a mistake, what do we do? And, you know, they, they come around, and we, we take care of them, and we accept their apology, and we help them to get back on track. When kids are raised in the church, they're judged, both inside and outside the church, let's be honest. There are people inside the church that will judge. Um, what We're not gonna get into whether they should or not in this episode, that's a whole other episode. That could even be a series of episodes to be honest about judging. But there are people who do, it's a fact, we're human. Humans go to church, humans judge, it's a fact. Uh, unfortunately, that is a, just another pressure. But people outside the church, Especially those who are angry with God or absolutely adamantly believe He does not exist are prob- possibly the bigger judges. I don't know. I'm not going to weigh the scale because I don't have any data on that and uh, I don't really want to know, to be honest. But in my experience as the one outside of the church and my experience now inside the church, I see or at least I feel the harshness of it, especially those who are angry. And if our kids, if, 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 if our kids screw up, right, they make a mistake or they do the wrong thing. They swear, they steal, they, they don't dress properly. They're disheveled. Maybe they didn't shower for five days and they're a teenager. And you're like, Oh dear, (laughs) don't, why you go to church like that? Uh, Or they're just out and about. They're representing Christianity. They're representing your family. They're representing God. And you're like, Oh, what are people going to think? Well, people are going to judge. They just are. But does that mean that being raised in the church is a bunch of hooey because your kid doesn't have it together? They screw up. They, they sin. They make a mistake. No, I want to encourage you today. Here's your encouragement, okay? Because I'm sure that you've all felt, I'm sure you've felt that pressure at some point, whether it's just once or another. Maybe you're really good at letting things go. Maybe you were raised in the church. So you're hard- hardened on the outside for these things. Good for you. But kids raised in the church are often the ones that take the brunt of the naysayers. Say, well, you raised your kid in the church and now they're off rebelling. Because that does happen. But a lot of kids rebel, whether they're in church or not. Whether your kid is raised in church or out of church, they can rebel. We're studying the Israelites right now as a family. Do you know how many times the Israelites rebelled? against Moses, against Aaron, against God, because when they, when they rebel against Moses or Aaron, they're rebelling against God, and that's exactly how God sees it. How many times the Israelites rebelled, and they weren't even necessarily teenagers, these were adults who had seen miracles of God in front of them and still rebelled. So if they can rebel, having experienced the miracles of God physically with their five senses, of course our kids can rebel. What does that mean, though? Does that mean that they're damned to hell? Does that mean that you screwed up as a parent? Does that mean that you didn't read the Bible enough to them? You didn't pray for them enough? Does that mean that they weren't worshiping enough or you, you were at the wrong church? They didn't go to youth group enough? No. No. What it means is that because they were raised in church, here's your hope, okay? Because you've raised them to to know God, to understand his word, to get hopefully know that he is the rock, that they can go back to him. That when they screw up for a moment, for a season, for years, they have that foundation that you've given them because you are obedient to God and faithful and you gave them that upbringing, that they have something they can fall back on when they screw up. Think about the kids who do not grow up in church and do not have a way. They don't have somebody telling them about Jesus. They don't have somebody telling them about grace and forgiveness. They have no idea. Think about how lost that kid will be. They did not grow up with that. No, I'm not saying that they can't find Jesus. You know, I didn't find Jesus until I was 26. And I was lost. And I didn't feel like I had a foundation. And I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand mercy. I didn't understand forgiveness. I really didn't get it. Until I was an adult. And it wasn't until someone came and, and showed me and helped me. But, if you're raising your child in church to know God to learn about who he is, to know Jesus, to understand forgiveness and grace, then you're doing great because you're giving them something that a lot of kids don't have. So that when they become adults, if they choose to rebel against God, against you, remember, that's that's not a reflection of you. That is just human nature. It happens. Does it stink? Yes. Does it hurt to watch? absolutely breaks your heart breaks mine when I see it but the hope is there because the knowledge is there maybe not the wisdom yet but knowledge comes first they know that there's a god that at least you believe in maybe they've decided that they don't believe in Him, which again heartbreaking but you do and you have given them the knowledge that knowledge can't fall out of their head they have heard the gospel. They know they have a place to go. That's the hope. They can always come back. They know they've given them what they need. So, in sign language, my my girls and I are studying sign language this year, and hopefully for years to come. And uh, the the sign language for for in American sign language (ASL) for short is. Whatever your non-dominant hand is forms a rock. You know, you just make a fist. And then your dominant hand forms a C for church. You take that C and you put it on top of the rock. Uh, the fist, but I call it the rock. Because my kids understand. Because they've been raised in church and studying the Bible diligently. That like Peter, Peter was the, was the rock on which the church was formed the church was formed on a solid rock on a solid foundation. So that's what I say is we put the church on the rock. That is our sign. That is the sign for church. And I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's accurate. I think it's true. And I love that that is a sign in ASL for church. You're giving them a foundation. You're giving them a solid rock on which to stand. If they choose to step off that rock into the 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 sand. They if you choose to they if they choose to explore, to see what else is out there. They get that choice. That's the freedom of of free will. But they also get the choice to come back. They God they know God is there. Maybe they don't believe it for a season, maybe they question it cuz they're rebelling in their hearts. But you laid that foundation by bringing them forth to church, bring them to Sunday school, to youth group, reading with them at home, praying with them because you are their first teacher. They don't just go to church on Sunday, hopefully. Hopefully you are pouring into them spiritual habits so that they can have that foundation. If you're not, I would really encourage you to do that because church is not just Sunday. Our relationship with God is daily. Our friendship with Jesus is daily. Our interaction with the Holy Spirit within us is daily. And that's the foundation that they get to experience by being kids who are raised in church. Now, I mentioned pastor's kids in my intro because they have a slightly brighter spotlight, don't they? They do. And if, if you're a pastor, you know the pressure that's on your kids a little bit more because they are looked at by the whole congregation a lot more often because they figure, well, you're a pastor. You should know how to raise your kids perfectly, right? No, oh, you're human too. Your kids are human too. Yeah, they may have a lot more time at church on the clock. They might have a lot more time in churchy things or Christian things, yeah, events, or interactions, relationships, That doesn't mean that it's easier for them. In fact, I believe it's harder for them. I know a lot of PKs, a lot. Some are still kids. Some are growing into adulthood. Some are my age. Parents, their their PKs. Most PKs I know that are my age are raising PKs because they've stepped into pastoral roles, which is kind of awesome. I was going to say ironic, but I don't think it's ironic at all. I think it's awesome. It means that God's influence is is alive and working in their lives and they want to continue on. But anyway, PKs are in a brighter spotlight than just the rest of our kids. So have some compassion for them. Have a lot of grace for them and their, their parents. I wanted to read you a couple of scriptures that I was looking at about grace because I think that's so important for us as onlookers of other people's kids that we may fall into the trap of comparing our kids to and our abilities as parents. Don't compare. Comparison is an, is, a, is a device of the enemy. He will use that and he will divide. You don't want to be divided from your people. But I love this. I think this is beautiful from 1 Peter 5, verse 10. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Of course he is. Slow to anger, abounding in love. I think I think of the prodigal son's father when I hear that part. It just describes him so beautifully. He's such a great representative of the Lord and how he sees us. All right, let me continue. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, now that might be as a parent watching a kid rebel, that might be just as a human rebelling or questioning or just going through trials whether you're faithful or not through them. All right, let me continue. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Isn't that awesome? These kids. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say these poor kids, but they're not these poor kids. These kids who get This beautiful foundation have a place to go back to if they rebel. Have a place to go back to if they just sin. Not even a full-on rebellion, but they sin. Little, big, it's all the same in God's eyes. But he's always there for them to come back to. And if they're raised in the church, they know it. They know it. And what, what a gift that is that you are giving to your child. The knowledge that they have a loving God a compassionate God, a gracious God, a slow to anger God to come back to each and every time on that rock, sitting on that rock, waiting for you to come back, waiting for them to come back to him with open arms, running to them to meet them and saying, I'm so glad you're back. I added that, by the way, that's not in the, maybe it's in the Bible in metaphorical ways, but I added that. That's my own commentary, FYI, if he hadn't noticed. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. That's Second Chronicles 30 verse 9. I love that. He will not, it's a promise. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. I'd like to add when you return to him because that's the hope, right? But if they know that, they know, okay, okay, screwed up. I can go back to God. A lot of people don't think they can because they don't think they're good enough. But the beautiful thing about grace is we don't earn grace. Grace is not works-based. Grace is a gift. God gives us grace. God gives our kids grace. He has enough of it to go around and around and around and around and around. It's immeasurable. It's unearnable, and it's there. It's always there. So, if you, your kid, gets to a point where they 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 cry this out from Psalm one thirty, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy, because they know they've messed up. God's there. He won't turn his face from them. I mean, come on. That's amazing. Because we're raising them in the church. We're raising them to know God. We're raising them to understand the gospel and forgiveness and grace and eternal salvation. Once they're in his hands, nothing can strip them from it. Nothing. Nothing. How awesome is that? He is mindful of us. He created us. With a purpose on purpose, he did not make a mistake, even though he had to smite a few of them in history uh we the the scriptures we just read he just killed um a couple of clans uh two hundred fifty. Censor holders, and that's the burning censor things, not like taking a censor of people. 14,700 people with the plague before Aaron and Moses got through and stopped it because they prayed for them and interceded. Sure, he wiped out some sinners. He wiped out some rebels, but he knows their hearts. Remember that. He knows their hearts. So Don't let all that smiting and eradicating from the Old Testament steer you away from remembering that. The Lord, our God is compassionate and merciful, merciful, and our debt has been paid. The wages of sin is death. Those wages have been paid. Jesus did that for your kid, for my kids. They are set. They, they they're set. So when you worry about comparison, you worry about perfection, you worry about their sinning and how it's going to look. Don't look around you, look up and know that God's got them. It's going to be okay. Pray for them, love on them, teach them, show them them what it's like, model what it's like to have a relationship with God. And hopefully that modeling is genuine. It's meant to be genuine. Show them that you trust God with them because they are in good hands with him. Always and forever. I'm gonna leave you with that. I hope that that was super encouraging with you for you today. For those of you, especially with the younger ones that are constantly going around in church, making messes, being loud, not doing what there's a quote unquote supposed to do. Um, and maybe those of you with teenagers who don't want to go to church, I'll get into that kind of thing in another episode. But um, you know, there's that whole thing: do I make my teenager go to church or not? That's a decision that you can make alone in your family. You know, that's something you you guys need to make that decision. I can't make that for you. We make our kids. We make our teenagers go because we know it's good for them. And we don't want them to forget because we humans will forget that God is good. God loves them. And he's worthy of our praise and worship and our time and our sacrifice of self. Again, that's a whole other episode that I'll save for another time. When this one's over. I'm going to end. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our kids. Thank you that we get to show them what it's like to love you, to serve you, to worship you, to praise you, and to trust you with them. Thank you that you give us a glimpse of what it's like to love like you do. Because, man, we love our kids immeasurably, and we know that you do too, but you'd love them somehow just a little bit more than we do. Because it's all immeasurable. So thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that honor. And Lord, I pray for those kids who just don't want to go to church, just don't want to know you, don't want to waste their time. They want to be all about them. We know that that's a natural stage. But fighting against that that natural, the flesh, that's what we're working towards teaching them. Fighting against the flesh and doing what's right in your eyes and honoring you and praising you and loving you and being obedient to you, Lord, letting you into our hearts. That's what's important. So I pray for everybody listening to this podcast today, to whenever they're listening, that they would trust you with their kids, that they would know that you love them even more than they do. Thank you, Jesus for all you do for us so that we do not have to die because of our sin it is in your precious name i pray amen have an amazing week you guys and i'll talk to you later love you lots august is mental health awareness month We have such a huge rise in mental health issues right now, especially among children, and it completely breaks my heart. That's why I created comfort creatures. They're cute little fuzzballs with beautiful, sparkling eyes. They're slightly weighted, and they're just a fun little critter to keep with them, to help them to feel safe, to, um, to be able to feel and play with. They're like a fidget toy or security. Uh, it's a be- They're just so cute. They can keep them in their pockets. They can bring them with them wherever they go. They can tell them their worries. When I was younger, I had these little worry dolls and I would tell them my worries and I feel like it was a great way to learn how to pray. And these comfort creatures are just that they're a great tool to teach kids how to pray but it gives them something tactile and physical something to look at but they can imagine that god is listening to them while they're talking to their little critter their little comfort creature they come in a variety of colors they are all the softest fur faux fur that you can imagine and they're just so sweet They come packaged with an adoption certificate so they can name them and they can become part of the family. There's also an additional calm breathing kit that can be added to this package for just a couple of dollars. And it gives them a couple of techniques so that when they start getting anxious and overwhelmed, if they tend to get shortness of breath because of anxiety, this is a great tool to add on to give them a couple of ways to treat the Anxiety and help to learn to calm themselves down, but this this epidemic has really broken my heart, and I just felt like this was my little way to help. So check them out at our Etsy store. Izzy Drew Lane is the name of the store. You can go to etsy. dot com slash forward slash shop forward slash Izzy Drew Lane. That's I Z Z Y D R E W lane i'll put the link in the show notes for your reference but check them out and while you're there check out the slime kits that my girls are making they're scented and they're fun and they're another tactile activity that the kids can make and keep with them in their nice sturdy storage case and play with for months so enjoy it check it out and i hope you find comfort in my creatures Thanks for joining us for another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. I am so glad that you joined us today. This is so much fun to be able to encourage you and remind you that God loves you and wants to partner with you in your parenting journey. Remember, he made you the parent of your kids on purpose. If you like this episode, please, please take time to rate and review it so that other people can find this podcast as well. I'd really appreciate it. And I think so would other people who get to be blessed by this and share it with friends and family that you think it would bless too. Let's spread the word and let people know that God loves them and wants to be with them each and every day in their parenting journey. Thanks for stopping by and I hope you join us next week.